Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. All rise. Is It Legal 2, a special production of the Missouri Bar, a regular look at the legal system and you. I'm Bob Pretty. And I'm Farrah Fight. We've heard the jokes, Bob, such as, why did God invent lawyers? Is it so real estate agents would have someone to look down to? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. We could spend an hour telling jokes about lawyers and the organization you work for, Farrah, which is... The Missouri Bar. And the very people who bring you these podcasts. This year's the 75th anniversary of that organization. And to talk more seriously about the legal profession are two of the organization's leaders. Why don't you introduce them? The Missouri Bar's current president is Ray Williams. He's here with us today, as is one of our past presidents, Dana Tippin Cutler. Ray is a solo practitioner with offices in West Plains and Eminence, Missouri, where he handles general practice cases on a wide variety of areas for his clients and has served on our Missouri Bar Board of Governors since 2008. Dana is a lawyer with James W. Tippin and Associates in Kansas City, Missouri, where she practices primarily in education law. And she was the first woman of color to be president of the Missouri Bar a few years ago. So thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We, we have to ask, because of the way we started this program, do, do lawyers cringe when they hear jokes about lawyers and the legal profession? That's a good question. I think it depends on the lawyer, and some do. But, you know, I think lawyers have a sense of humor like most people. And if it's in good fun, uh, I think it's uh, it's it's not something we'd ask for, but it's, it's something that sometimes happens and uh, kind of depends on how it's presented, I think. I think that's exactly it. Tone and who and why have a lot to do with whether we cringe or not. I think every profession has jokes about it. And you, you just kind of either live with it or you just dismiss it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting that this year we've spent a, a lot of time because of uh, basically that question, talking about what lawyers do in public service and how they serve their communities. And, and we focused on the positive things that lawyers do because I think some of those jokes are, are based on the negative things that are expected that people believe lawyers might have done. And so this is a good way to present the positive. The name of the organization is the Missouri Bar. What's the bar? <laughs> it is not a place that you go drink. It's not an establishment where you mosey on up <laughs> to no, the it stool isn't. and sit down and throw one back. <laughs> no, that's a different bar, a completely different bar. Well, if you go in the courtrooms that you see on TV, because those are traditionally classic courtrooms, exactly. not the necessarily mm -hmm. modern courtroom, and you'll see a rail right down the middle in front of the spectator section that usually has a swinging door on it, and that rail is called the bar. And to be in front of the bar where the judge is, you are uh, either, either a litigant or you're a member of the Missouri Bar. Yeah. And that is the historic uh, term for the bar. So it's so, not an acronym. It doesn't stand for anything. No, it is literally a reference to the furniture piece in the courtroom. You're either on one, you're on one side or the other of that bar. You're either a lawyer and that you're closer to the judge or you're not and you're in the the uh, spectator section. So so when, a, so when a lawyer is allowed to practice, a lawyer is admitted to the bar, which means they can go through that gate exactly. in front and actually be part of the proceeding with the judge. Exactly. So that's what meaning, admitted to the bar in means. In many of our courtrooms and many of our uh, counties and circuits in our state, they have a book that you would walk through the bar to the judge's bench and sign the book as, yep. a, as a lawyer uh, recognized in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you still get introduced as the, at the Court of Appeals. If the first appearance at the any of our Court of Appeals, mm -hmm. another lawyer who has already been there introduces you to the bench. And and then you sign the big book. So I've done it in the Western District and the Southern District. Haven't made it to the Eastern District, so I got to check. That's on my bucket list to, <laughs> to get admitted to the Eastern District. But yeah, it's a, it's and it's you know, no matter how old you are, it's really that cool moment. Like ta da, you know, it's a ta da moment. Yeah. The Missouri Bar is seventy five years old, but there was a predecessor, Missouri Bar Association, correct, that went back even f much further than that. Yes, right. Yeah, back to the 1800s. Yeah, 1880s, I believe. Yeah. And um, so tell us a little bit about how the current Missouri Bar, which is a unified bar, can you tell us a little bit about that and how it came about back in 1944? In 1944, as Bob said, we'd had 
a uh, an organization that had actually celebrated a 75th anniversary called the Missouri Bar Association. And the, the lawyers that were part of that came together and asked the Missouri Supreme Court to form a new organization called the Missouri Bar, where all Missouri lawyers would be members of that organization. And in 1944, uh, the Missouri Supreme Court adopted a rule, and uh, that became the uh, Missouri Bar that we know now. A lawyer has to be a member of the bar yes. to practice. Yes, we have a mandatory bar, mm-hmm. mandatory or unified bar. So in order to practice law here, you have to meet the requirements and be a member of the bar. Requirements are passing the bar or either having practiced long enough to wave into um, the state. But yes, in order to practice law legally here, you have to be a member of the bar. And how many members do you have? Roughly 30,000, give or take. It's, uh, I think, somewhere in the, maybe over 30 now, Farrah, is that right? 30,500. 30,500. Okay. I was scared to give a number because (laughs) it was... Just almost at 30 when I was uh, president, which was two or three years ago. So I was like, let me not ask that. I'm going to let Ray get that one. (laughs) For the most current data. (laughs) Most current data. Is that too many lawyers? Well, not with the justice gap. We need a few more. We need a few more is what I would say. Uh, You know, I think Missouri's done a good job at we're not like some states where they have literally hundreds of, you know, 100,000 lawyers. Mm We still are, <clears throat> what I would say, we could grow some more, but I don't think it's too many lawyers. And and here's the thing. It's not too many when you need one of us. You're, you're happy that you have a selection out there. Yeah, nobody needs a lawyer until they need a lawyer. That's right. That's yeah. right. And it's a function of the market. I mean, it is a business at some level, and the market takes care of that, as we saw a few years ago, mm-hmm. that fewer and fewer folks were going to law school. And that's starting to turn around. And it, it, it seems to be in the states uh, that we uh, work with uh, in other state bars that some of those states don't have enough lawyers. And I think Missouri probably has about the right number. And the question is, are they in the right place and are they, they doing the right kinds of work? And we always want to do that. But that's a function of their business people and they get to choose where to practice and whether they go to law school or not. Does the Missouri Bar have a an, an ethical standard for lawyers that they have to follow? or Is there a way you discipline them or keep lawyers and lawyers in line? Or how do you do that? So the discipline aspect is in a different office, mm-hmm. separate from the Missouri Bar. So the Missouri Bar is not the disciplinary arm of the court. We uh, manage the attorneys from getting CLE, you know, providing opportunities to provide service. But the, the OCDC, Office of Chief Disciplinary Counsel, they are charged with keeping lawyers in line. The Missouri Bar tries to provide resources so that lawyers are able to stay in line and and avoid the dreaded OCDC letter that you might get if you're not compliant with the law or compliant with the ethics requirements. So what is the Bar's relation to the Supreme Court? We are an uh, instrumentality is the word that we use of the Supreme Court. And what that really means is the Supreme Court adopts Supreme Court rules. Uh, For example, the rules that Dana were referring to are called the rules of professional conduct. And we have rules uh, that adopt lawyer admissions and then adopt the Missouri Bar and uh, put us into effect. And we are a function of the Missouri Supreme Court. Does the Missouri Bar have its own governing body or is that can or is the bar controlled by the court? We have our own governing body. We have a board of governors and those uh, members of the board of governors represent the different counties and districts of the state. And then the board of governors has an executive committee with the vice president, president elect and president. So we have our own body of governance. And we have lawyers literally from every corner of the state serving on that board of governors, representing attorneys in their districts. And they put forth the policy for based on the rules that are given and the expectations of the court. They put together policies to follow and to uh, fulfill our duties pursuant to our creation by the by the court. We have a really diverse board. It's very interesting to me to to note that by rule we are geographically diverse, but we have prosecutors and defense lawyers and civil lawyers and uh, public service lawyers and just every imaginable 
uh, type of law practice is represented on our board, and that makes us a very uh, diverse and uh, dynamic group that uh, can solve some pretty significant problems and uh, and contribute to our communities and contribute to uh, the, op- the how the profession is actually run uh, here in the state of Missouri. It's a really neat thing. You mentioned that the Missouri Bar Board of Governors is very diverse, both geographically, practice area, and otherwise. Um are you seeing that in the membership at the Missouri Bar? Is diversity growing? Diversity is growing, but I think uh, lawyers of color probably make up about 3% of the attorneys of the state, if that much. I, I may be being generous. So there's always room to have, you know, um, diversity uh, in the bar, that growing, be it for gender or race, um, ethnicity and so forth because you I think it's important for the lawyers to reflect the communities that they serve um, it's important so that you have an opportunity to point to the bench people that look like the communities they serve so if you don't have any uh, Latina attorneys you can there's no opportunity for a Hispanic female coming into the courtroom to see someone that looks like her and that's important because that that reflects on people's perception of the courts and the perception of fairness. If you never see anyone that looks like you sitting on the bench or sitting in the courtroom, there's a there may be that feeling of okay, they don't understand me. They don't know where I'm from. And it's important for the court's um integrity and the belief that there's fairness in the court for the courts and the court personnel to look like the people they serve. So it's very important to have that diversity um, in our profession. And I think the Missouri Bar has consistently um, worked hard for that. They have all these great programs to increase diversity and to support attorneys of color and women um, and different ethnicities, and that's so important. And I'm really proud that our Board of Governors looks the way that it does. It looks like the communities they serve. So it's a good thing. Well, you, you raise an interesting issue when you talk about 3% of Missouri bars, people of color. Mm-hmm. Is, is, this, is this a cultural thing? I mean, do, 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 do lawyers of color have a tendency to serve areas of color? And is there a trust between the people who need representation where they want to look for somebody that looks like them, but they might not trust somebody who doesn't quite look like them, even though they're equally well-trained? Is that a problem? I, I don't know that I would call it a problem. I think it's the opportunity to choose. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it, when the when the rubber hits the road, people just want a good lawyer that's going to take care of whatever their problem is. Where you could be blue and they'd be happy about it. But if you don't have any choice, that's a problem. So, you know, you may want to choose someone who looks like you. You may not. Um, and... You know, but I think the the issue is the issue of choice. I call uh, we're talking about the board of governors. Just this issue, mm-hmm. I call it the brain trust when we all get together for meetings. And what happens to me, and I think this happens through our profession, is that when you're sitting there trying to problem solve, the more viewpoints, um, the de- ge- geographic diversity, gender diversity, sexual orientation diversity and we're trying to figure out how to move forward on this, all those voices and life experiences help us make great choices. You're going to see something I've never seen because of who you are, where you've been, how you've lived. The same for me. And so when we put those things together, it gives us the opportunity to make great decisions and policies. And 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 so that's why that issue is important. Um and I think it works for us because of that. I think we make good choices because we have all those voices. Mm-hmm. When the Board of Governors gets together and is making their decisions, are they putting what's in the best interest of lawyers or the public? Or is it an and in there? Is it lawyers and the public? Ray, you're in the hot seat for that right now. You're leading the I charge. I don't believe those are mutually exclusive things, to be honest with you. And I think they do actually go very well together. Because if we help our lawyers do a better job of serving their clients, then we're going to help improve the lives of the citizens around our state, which is the ultimate goal of the Missouri Bar in any profession. 
Doctors want to make their patients' lives better. Lawyers want to make their citizens' lives better and their clients' lives better. So those go together, and we have programs on uh, across that entire spectrum. Uh, for example, we have civics education programs where we try to, and I think this is just a, a passionate area that I feel about, that we help get civics information out to our schools and to our students so that they understand how government works, the three branches of government and the interaction. And we have programs to help our lawyers run their business. And those are not mutually exclusive because in the end, everybody ends out uh, as a winner by combining the different things that we're able to do with our resources. And Ray, you just got through with the Citizens Award. I did, and it's one of the most... uh, enlightening and, and, and enjoyable things that the bar president gets to do is present the Outstanding Citizenship Awards to uh, students from across the high schools across Missouri, uh, our essay contest winners from uh, even elementary schools and middle schools, and then we have an elementary uh, art contest that we have winners from. And it's just a so fun to see those young student leaders come to our capital and see what goes on here in Jefferson City, but be honored for their work that they did by uh, be in, being interested and involved in citizenship and what it means to, to be part of the republic. Yeah, that was fun for me. Oh, I remember <laughs> getting to do it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And those kids are so well-spoken, and they know so much about why we are American citizens, why people want to be in this country. I mean, the the freedoms that we have, um, they have a really great understanding of it. And it is a lot of fun. And it's one of the best parts of being president, getting to do that. It really is. And just a a snippet from that, uh, Justice uh, Sandra Day O'Connor from the used to uh, retire justice of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, has done some work in this area. And Cites a statistic that says about uh, only about a third of the people know the three branches of government, let alone how they work. Or, uh, as Farah kindly points out, that more can name the Kardashian sisters than can name the three branches of government. But Yikes. you know, <laughs> yeah, that, but that's not true in Missouri because our state is focused on civics education. There's civics education throughout each step of the uh, educational process from elementary school all the way through uh, high school. We uh, test on the Missouri Constitution, and I think our citizens are better off for knowing how government works, and we're part, really proud to be part of that program. Absolutely. I know that one of the other programs the Missouri Bar has been involved in in the past is answering the call following disasters. Yes. Um, can you guys speak to that and tell us what the bar does in that type of situation? They have free legal assistance hotlines so that you can call in and find out what you can do, how to get in touch with your insurance companies, how to, you know, recover papers. So that's one. The young lawyer sections, they have a training where they go in and sometimes provide services, uh, boots on the ground, as I would call it, but the um, and helping the disaster victims. And we even... You know, when those disasters hit, they hit lawyers' offices, too. So we go in and help lawyers in those communities so that they can get um, back on their feet to help the people in their in their community, their, their, their clients, basically. So we um, have figured it out that if you have a disaster, it's not – there's so many facets to those uh, losses, including – you know how do I how do I get my house back together, or, or how how do I deal with family members that are in the hospital? And so, we do have those disaster resources available for citizens in the state. Um, you talked a little bit about being a member of the bar if you're licensed to practice in the state. So, does that bring any additional benefits to the lawyers who are members of the bar? Should they have the license to practice? But then are there, you mentioned CLE and some other things earlier. Can you talk about some of those things that the bar does for its members? Well, as as you know, Farrah, it is the goal of the Missouri Bar to help our lawyers even better serve our clients across our state. And and there's just a, a tremendous number of programs we are able to offer our lawyers. And we also uh, want to be sure that we help the, the, the citizens have better lives out in our state. And so we have a number of programs that we uh, provide to them as well. But yeah, as far as the lawyers are concerned, uh, we have lots of practice management tools, lots of things to make uh, the practice of law easier. And uh, any lawyer can go onto the member's website and uh, look at all of our member benefit programs that we've adopted over the course of uh, a number of 
of years that have been very successful. But Bob and I are non-lawyers. So if we're sitting here thinking, oh, the Missouri Bar, I'm not a lawyer. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Is That's, that right? That is. And I was going to follow up and say, but the other side of it is because we lawyers are here to serve and, and that is kind of the heartbeat of being a lawyer. Uh, the Missouri Bar provides all of these services that are supported either by the bar or lawyers giving of their time for citizens. Like we have veterans clinics um, um, through the state so that veterans can come get help for their needs. We have um, resources on our website. So if you're trying to figure out, I'm a tenant in a in an apartment building and my landlord is threatening to throw me out. What does my landlord have to do in order to evict me? Um, or just to understand the eviction process. You you know, you have a family member that is uh, older and, and you're trying to figure out how health care and how to prepare for in-life decisions. All of those kinds of pieces of information are on our website. Um, and we have a uh, the Missouri Bar website has a place for non-lawyers to come get information, um, get and reach out and get help. So it, it is both serving lawyers, but also serving our community. The website is called MissouriLawyersHelp.org, and any citizen can go on there and find these power of attorney forms, uh, can uh, actually ask a question under the right circumstances and get a legal answer, uh, find uh, brochures, uh, for landlord tenant, uh, for some other items that are are, are available to help them uh, answer their legal questions, and all that's at MissouriLawyersHelp.org. Now, is all of this in layman's English? Yes, rather than lawyerese. Yes, it is. And we uh, work very hard to not overwhelm people. It doesn't do you any good if you're reading it and you don't know what you're understanding. So it is, it is in people talk, as we would like to say, <laughs> um, and readily available. As is our podcast, which is one of those public service exactly. uh, options that the bar is now providing. I know legal stuff can seem expensive and complicated. That's why the Missouri Bar provides you resources like Missouri.FreeLegalAnswers.org, a live stream of our high school Constitution Day program and free legal forms that make your end-of-life decisions known to your family in case of a medical emergency. Visit us at MissouriLawyersHelp.org for these resources and more, because Missouri lawyers are here to help you. Brought to you by the Missouri Bar. Lawyers do a lot of free work, don't they? Pro bono. Know it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and some statistics on that would be that about 90% of our lawyers are serving their communities from their school boards to their city councils to their church groups to some even serve in our legislature or statewide office. And of that 90%, about 70% of those folks are actually leading those organizations. And, you know, that's been a tradition from the beginning of time. Uh, 25 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were lawyers, and they have served their communities. They've served in public service roles for that entire period of time. And it's something we're really proud of and want to emphasize. And even today, uh, our lawyers volunteer to answer these questions I mentioned online when somebody who might not otherwise be able to afford a lawyer uh, wants to ask a legal question on a specific problem. We have a program called Free Legal Answers, and you're able to ask a question up to, uh, I think it's three a year mm -hmm. uh, online, and you'll get an answer to that question about a simple legal problem uh, that's straightforward. And uh, that's a really great thing that lawyers are trying to do to assist their community insist the profession and and I think it's really cool because lawyers you actually have a Missouri lawyer mm -hmm. with a, a, with an expertise in that area who's going to answer your question for free so it's it's a great way for lawyers you know to to reach out but it's really important for our citizens to know that they can have a resource where they're talking to Missouri lawyers, not just a lawyer in Oregon or Minnesota or wherever, nothing against those lawyers. But if you have a Missouri question, who who better to answer it than an expert here in Missouri? I know the Missouri bars received some positive feedback from citizens who've taken advantage of that program. Um, would you guys like to share with us uh, how many questions have been answered by volunteer lawyers? I think there's currently a hundred 
lawyers who are volunteering for that program. But in the two years that it's been up and running, um, how many people has it helped out? 2,500 questions have been answered um, since this program has started. And so you and you have over 100 lawyers participating in it. So that's quite a few people who had a question and they could get that information without having the expense of going to an attorney and and it's right readily accessible at home. But the other side of it is, let's say you get that answer and it's like, okay, this is a real legal something I need to deal with. We have a free online lawyer search. So you can find that lawyer. If you get the answer, you need more. You can come right back to the Missouri Bar website and get find that lawyer to help you with that problem because we have lawyers who've who signed up for that. Is there an income level, though, at which somebody who's below a certain level of income can go to a legal firm, a law firm, and get free legal advice? Is that just part of an operation of a law firm when somebody just doesn't have the money at all? Well, that works a couple of ways. Uh, There are legal services organizations across our state uh, based out of Columbia, Springfield, St. Louis, Kansas City. And their uh, role uh, is to provide uh, pro bono or free legal services to uh, folks who meet income criteria, as you mentioned. And uh, it is civil litigation, not criminal litigation. But if you have a civil problem, they uh, will assist you to the limits of their funding. And their funding is quite limited, but they are there to assist. And what we have in our state is something called the justice gap. And what I mean by that is there is a group of citizens who work, but at least feel that they can't provide, can't afford a lawyer. And so we have those programs that we are continually trying to develop and tailor for those folks, such as free legal answers. Uh, Most law firms, I mean, uh, the statistic I would share, the last information we had is Missouri lawyers provided 38,000 hours in a year of legal services for free to or reduced price to folks like the ones that you mentioned. So we do our very best. Uh, Frankly, in most parts of our state, uh, legal representation for a straightforward matter is not that expensive, and many lawyers will accept payments and do some things like that to try our best to provide uh, legal services to those who cannot afford it. There is a justice gap. There is a statistic that shows a lot of folks show up in court by themselves without lawyers or one side's represented and the other is not, and we continue to strive to, to narrow that justice gap, if you will, so that that doesn't exist. And that's what the Missouri Bar really works hard at is to come up with more and more programs to, to have to help these folks. But to your question, are law firms required to have a, a pro bono section? No. But I, I bet you... You talk to most firms, small solo firms to the large firms. They everybody participates at some level in trying to give back to their community, whether it's straight legal services or you know serving on one of these committees or programs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of for most attorneys, it's in our DNA. A lot of folks get their impressions of lawyers in the legal profession by watching the ads on television. Now, I remember when we didn't have ads on television for lawyers, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not altogether sure that really does the legal profession that much good, but you, you, you've got to let people do it. Uh, does, does the bar try to police any of this uh, claims and comments that folks make in their advertising? Well, as Dana talked about before, uh, professional conduct is regulated by the Office of Chief Disciplinary Counsel, mm-hmm. and there are rules. Uh, advertising is an interesting area. It has been traditionally uh, not favored, I think, back way back when. But it is there's a U.S. Supreme Court case that says it's a First Amendment right to advertise, and it probably makes sense. And, and at some level, some information, good information, is getting out and among all the hire me as to be your lawyer information. And so there's a, there's a mixed bag, and some ads are definitely better than others, but. That's not something the Missouri Bar really, we've talked about it a lot, but in the end, it's not something we really regulate at this point in time. Uh, If a person crosses the line, there are specific rules about what has to be in an ad, especially like on television or on a billboard. And if you don't follow those rules, then disciplinary counsel can enforce those rules. I look at a lot of these ads, though, and it sounds just to me like there's a lot of ambulance chasing going on. If it's not ambulance chasing, it's pill chasing. 
if you take this pill, call me or something like that. Don't forget about the reverse mortgages. Yeah, reverse mortgage. Yeah. yeah. So well, and uh, you know, you, there's some uncomfortability with it. By the same token, like you said, some have are a little more uh, classless mm-hmm. than others. By the same token, people now are aware that they have legal rights, that, 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 hey, this may have happened to me. Maybe I should go to a lawyer. And that's important. So there were there were times when people thought, well, this bad thing's happened to me. It's nothing I can do about it. There's nobody I can see. So from that standpoint, lawyer advertising has been good. At least people now know, hey, I think I have a problem I can go see about it. Um, some of it does feel like you're like, ah, I wish they wouldn't do that or say that. But, you know, to each his own. One person's wine is another person's beer, as they say, right? <laughs> well, so. is, is, there, is there anything, though, that a person watching this should do to evaluate uh, these ads in terms of you know, how straightforward they are, how, how much service they can be? You know, there's there's a little tagline that was added a few years ago about the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and you ought to research and not just base your decision on this advertisement. And I think that's pretty good advice. Talk to your family, talk to your friends, and if something terrible has happened to you, then there's a, there, you should, you know, evaluate that. That's a big decision in your life and pick somebody not just based on what might be on the television. And You know, the other thing that is interesting in our modern society with us becoming a, a national society versus a state-based society, our rules of professional conduct are very state-based, but the uh, satellite TV, cable TV, all these uh, syndicated shows, all this type of stuff leads to national-level uh, advertising that's kind of beamed in, if you will, to the state of Missouri. And so there's some very interesting and unique problems uh, that come up with some of this uh class action type big scale advertising that we see uh, on the television. Sometimes. I think years ago I heard somebody from the Missouri Bar suggest that you might see these ads, but the best thing to do is to check your local attorney's list first and 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 see if they have those services or if there's somebody available to work with in your own hometown. Again, if you talk to family um, and 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 talk to people who have had that person mm-hmm. or that firm as a as their lawyer. That's probably the best advertiser to someone who's had experience with them. And it's not just, you know, the bad things that happen. You know, most of these are for car wrecks and things like that. But, you know, you need lawyers to help in life planning and do and to do it in a timely fashion. Sometimes we don't deal with that. And and then, you know, a parent has a stroke and now you're trying to figure out how can I get access to my mom's account to pay for her bills? Um, those are things you need to see lawyers for. And unfortunately, those kinds of things that are every day for everybody, because all of us are going to go meet our maker one day, that's not advertised. You can't, you know, and that's where the Missouri Bar comes in, because if you're looking for a probate lawyer, you can come here and Mm -hmm. say, I'm looking for somebody and get that kind of help. If you go to MissouriLawyersHelp.org, there's a list. uh, Folks can sign up to be on the uh, lawyer list, and you can go right on line and get a list of lawyers in particular areas of practice or, or particular geography. So that, that gives you a start as well. I often see advertisements now encouraging you that if you need that form, that legal form, just go on our website, pay a fee, download it, or call our hotline to talk to a lawyer for a small price. Is there should you just take that with a grain and salt and or should you trust where that's coming from or should you really reach out to someone in your community that's licensed to practice the law in Missouri? And that's what I was talking about when you call for Missouri.FreeLegalAnswers.org. When you go to that website, you are talking to a Missouri lawyer about your Missouri issue. You're not talking when you call a 1-800 number, you could be calling New York. California, Louisiana, they have Napoleonic law. They don't even have civil. They have a different area of of law for them. So you don't know who you're calling. But if you call, if I mean, uh, who you're contacting. But if you contact Missouri.FreeLegalAnswers.org, you're talking to a Missouri lawyer who has who is has an expertise in the area that you're asking a question. Uh, same thing if you're looking for forms. We have forms on our website. These have been forms developed by Missouri lawyers, so we know that they're right and they're going to follow the law and help you get done, you know, what you need done. That may not be the case if you're just downloading it from forms.org, forms.com. It, it just may not be the same. 
we have episode to episode lawyers come on and explain the law and what's legal and what's not Mm -hmm. when it comes to different practice areas. Um, But what role do lawyers play in actually shaping the law? And how is the Missouri Bar involved in that, if at all? We have traditionally for ever since I can remember, uh, had a committee system, meaning that lawyers can join uh, committees, sometimes uh, aligned towards practice area, let's say probate or criminal or whatever your practice area is. And from time to time, uh, those committees come together, work with their legislators and and develop or revise uh, bodies of law that are, are important to our citizens. And uh, the best example I could give you is uh, a few years ago, we worked for a number of years with uh, convening uh, groups of interested stakeholders, prosecutors, criminal defense lawyers, legislators together to uh, revise the Missouri Criminal Code. And the way you'd look at that is over uh, the years as crimes get added, the uh, square pegs are suddenly trying to be put in the round holes and vice versa, and it just gets too cumbersome. And so we streamlined and reorganized the criminal code. And it was a very large bill uh, when it was uh, finished, but it was uh, agreed to by all the various stakeholders and passed through the Missouri legislature. And, and that's now the criminal law in the state of Missouri. Um, or, uh, a lot of folks, uh, as Dana say, have uh, issues with like estate planning. And one of the things that's uh, come along with the Internet and the uh, usage of social media is that you upload your photos or per, uh, information that you shared with folks on your account. But what if you die? If there's not some directive given to Facebook or uh, Twitter or some of these other Instagram, some of these other places about what to do with that, that account may just linger out there or your family would like to have those photos but can't get them off uh, the Internet without permission from you. And, of course, you're not there anymore. So there's a Digital Assets Act that we passed uh, working again, uh, convening all the stakeholders involved in this that allows you to uh, effectively estate plan for your digital assets. And it, it's really a great uh, idea. And those are some of the things that the Missouri Bar has done and can do uh, to just bring folks together, not necessarily take positions, but bring folks together to make the law better for the, for the citizens of our state. And just I, so I get that last one correct, you're saying that if I have a will, which we talked about in a recent episode, that now I can like basically say how who and how I want my Facebook account handled or my online photo album and or your cloud. Yeah, the cloud. That's right. Exactly. But I think one of the key things, and and this is where having a unified bar, mandatory bar, we are uniquely situated to bring all of those different type of attorneys together to do what needs to be done for our citizenry through through legislation. Um, There's no really any other body or entity that could bring prosecutors, public defenders, judges, all of these different law people or law vectors together in a room to talk about how we change, you know, the criminal code or how do we do this? We are uniquely situated to do that and do. And so it's, a you know, the Missouri Bar is that um, centerpiece to make those things happen. And our our lawyers are happy to do it. They are they want things to be right, and they come together and and make these things happen. So, in addition to representing citizens when it comes to the law, lawyers play a very important part in helping shape the laws that we live by. And they do it in a unit. You know, even though I may be a defense attorney. We listen to each side and say, hey, even though I would like it to be 100 percent my way, I know that's not going to happen. And so we come together and shape something that works for everybody. And that's that's, you know, um, it makes me very proud that we can do that. It's atypical, the modern society. And we're really excited that we can set folks down and come up with practical solutions to real problems without the uh, bickering that sometimes goes along with mm-hmm. modern uh, discourse in the in creating new laws. So are you telling me that on TV when I see, a, you know, a- actors playing lawyers going at it and being zealous, air quotes, if you will, advocates for their uh, make-believe clients in that show and they, they're fighting and doing things behind the scenes to each other, that that's not really how it works. 
Well, I would say that we have the privilege of working in a state where it, I'm sure it happens, but it doesn't happen often. Um, lawyers here, we are zealous. We go in there. You know, you don't go to court to lose. And we try very hard to win when we're in court. But, you know, very, very much so afterwards, we may go and have a meal together after zealously representing our clients. And that's why we're a profession. That's what we talk about. Our The um, collegiality of the profession is the fact that we can go in and work hard for our clients, but afterwards, no, put that aside and still be friends and colleagues and work to make the law and our state better. And and that's what makes us a profession. Isn't that though kind of a just kind of an accepted part of being a lawyer because you know you're going to sometimes have to represent somebody that you don't agree with at all or you don't like at all, but even this most unlikable person deserves some kind of legal representation. And so that that standard goes beyond personal relationships among the attorneys. Exactly. I think the profession requires us to get along even though we may be fighting it out in court, outside of court. And, you know, if you talk to particularly lawyers who do criminal work and do defend uh, the accused, they may, that person may have done something heinous, but they know it's not about that person. It's about making sure that every um, right that that person has as a citizen of this country is protected. So it's not like they're trying to get somebody off. You know, people are like, they're just trying to get folks off. They're trying to get a technicality. They're trying to get them off on a technicality. But you want the law to work for that very guilty person because if you are an accused and you didn't do it and you don't have somebody protecting you, it becomes a problem. And so that that's the goal is to, to hold, hold the law to the highest standards and make sure every right is protected. It's what we do. Let me ask you about the motto of the Missouri Bar, which is equal justice under law. Uh, At the same time, we often hear that uh, rich people have a better chance to be equal under the law than poor people do. Uh, is, Is there any basis for that? I don't know that it really boils down to money. It is certainly safe to say that litigation in the modern world cost money. Uh, It often involves things like expert witnesses or exhibits. Those things cost money. On the other hand, the system is really designed to protect the rights of all of our citizens, and that's why we have our Constitution, whether it's civilly or criminally. And if the the poorest folks are certainly, if you're charged with a crime, going to be eligible for constitutionally appointed counsel. That's why we have the right to counsel in our Constitution. And in a civil context, the court systems are designed to try to balance the the, uh, the scales, if you will, so that money doesn't become a deciding factor. And I go from courthouse to courthouse and practice in quite a number of courthouses in different counties in our state. And I will tell you, the judges go out of their way to be fair while not cheating the rules, but following the rules that all folks in a courtroom have to follow. But it certainly is an effort for our courts to be as fair as possible that then to take the money equation out of it. Uh, there is a constant effort by the court system to review and re-review the rules of court to make that uh, even more fair. Uh, certainly if uh, a situation happened that an individual got, a poor individual got sued by a very large corporation with infinite resources and that person couldn't afford a lawyer, then there might certainly be an imbalance there. And that's why we try to do some of these things and programs to, to try to get them a lawyer uh, where it's possible. And just a a short follow-up. I think the problem is that what we see on TV are the sexy cases where you, you know, you have the Goliath and Davis situation, but on a day-to-day routine, you know, you go to Cole County just on a, on a Wednesday you see our courts at work doing that very thing of trying to be equal and fair and and to balance those scales. And so I think on a day-to-day basis, our courts knock it out of the park in Lady Justice being blind to whether you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever. They go in and try to do their job that way. And, and then 
you know, I I just had to say that. I felt well, like. And I think that's a great comment, Dana, because I think the, the, the average person, I was a little fascinated when I first saw it. Uh, in uh, 2017, that fiscal year, uh, the number was 1.7 million cases were processed from the Missouri court system. And that's everything from a traffic ticket to the largest plaintiff or largest defendant that was in a courtroom, uh, criminal, civil, the whole nine yards. But it's just fascinating to me that across our 114 counties that we are able to process 1.7 million cases and successfully do that in what I believe to be a great level of justice. And when you see the the report cards for our judges that come that we do for when we the evaluation of judges uh, when they're up for retention election, you see, you know, they talk to people who have appeared in front of that judge, and overwhelmingly they find that our judges are fair and they're kind and they're considerate and they try to treat people fairly and they and you know they have the jurors talk about what did you see with this judge and they talk about. You know, he, he or she was, they knew the law and they made sure we were taken care of and they seemed fair to the litigants. And so I think day in and day out, you know, the it, it just seems like the sexy cases where something was amiss, those are the ones that we get to hear about. And that's just not every day here. And I would say probably throughout our country, it's not every day. Plea bargains seem to have had seem to have risen in the last twenty years. Am I correct with that? And is there a is there any kind of a professional I don't want to say professional standard, but is there a is there a discussion within the profession about the the proper use of plea bargains? You know, I, I do a lot of criminal defense work, and it's mm-hmm. not the 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 classy murders that. Uh, you always see on the television that uh, that Dana was a little bit talking about just a minute ago. It's the routine drug possession cases, the uh, assaults, the the things that are just, uh, I hate to say it, but average crimes. And in most of those cases, a resolution is, is reached because uh, the, the lawyers have a relationship. The prosecutor knows the defense lawyer. They work through the facts. They understand the facts and come up with a solution to the case that makes sense uh, for both the defendant and the state. Uh, I think the numbers have increased because, uh, again, I think it goes back to television. You don't just get a file on the first day and the next day go try a jury case. It takes a long time. And what we want to be sure that we do, and I, I think – uh, in the state of Missouri, our criminal defense lawyers have made a renewed effort to be sure of this, is that there are enough resources in the criminal defense uh, area to carefully have the time to examine each of the cases to be sure there are no constitutional defects or factual defects so that we don't incarcerate innocent folks and work through those cases. And as long as you have the amount of time necessary to do that part of the process, then uh, good prosecutors and good defense lawyers uh, will come up with the right solution in the vast majority of the time. If there are factual issues, if there are legal issues, that's when the judge gets involved, and that's why we have judges and juries. In many of these cases, is it a case, though, of trying to determine and find an agreement on, on what is best for the defendant rather than simply putting them in jail? Well, the prosec- Is that part of it? It, it is, and then we'll talk uh, at the end here a little bit more about the yeah. uh, the. the what's best for the defendant part. I think the prosecutor would approach it with what's best for the, the society, for the citizens of that town or county, and what's best for the victim. The defense lawyer is going to say not necessarily what's best for the victim, but what's fair or what's best for the uh, defendant, but what's fair for the defendant. What's the right answer that the defendant would agree with? So if the defendant's innocent, then actually releases the right answer. But if the defendant probably did it, the facts were against the person, then negotiations are appropriate. When we talk about what's best for the defendant, uh, there is a real move to uh, institute treatment courts across our state where we actually do try to work with defendants because what I found in my practice is almost every crime in my world involves the use of some sort of illegal substance and some sort of addiction. Uh, perhaps some sort of dual diagnosis situation with mental illness. And the treatment courts bring in treatment professionals, prosecutors, defense counsel, probation and parole, law enforcement, and the judge 
to try to work with those folks to get them back on the right track so they'll be productive citizens. We've expanded that to family courts so that when we have a juvenile situation involving substance abuse that we can uh, include that. Uh, veterans courts are very popular and, and our veterans, you know, it's tragic, but they need help. And a lot of them get in trouble with the law because uh, that they have issues from when during their service and the veterans courts help them through that process. And it's a wonderful program that we're doing around our state. And lawyers were part of getting those treatment courts uh, pushed through the legislation. So, again, there we are. <laughs> The next time someone hears the phrase the Missouri bar or hears about the Missouri bar, what would you hope that would come to mind or that they would think of? I would hope that they would recognize that it's the organization the that lawyers are part of. They have to be a member of it, that it is about helping lawyers do their job well, but it's also about making the law lawyers, access to the courts, access to legal information, um, promoting citizenship and understanding of the law to our citizens. It's a friendly place to go and get those things. Um, And that really the goal of the Missouri Bar is to help, whether it be lawyers, whether it be our courts, whether it be our citizens, that when they hear the Missouri Bar, they hear or understand that's almost synonymous for help. That would be a great place for us to be. Well, that's right. And, you know, the phrase we're here to help kind of encapsulates what we do. We're here to help our lawyers. We're here to help our citizens. Uh, We're here to help our communities. We will continue to serve our communities. We will continue to work hard to have good laws uh, across our state and to to provide the level of service that we've been doing for 75 years and before. Well, this has been very entertaining and very informative, too. And, and uh, I thank you very much for being here because this is, uh, this is good layman stuff that most folks don't really realize about the legal profession. So it's been good to hear you. You've been listening to Is It Legal 2, a podcast service of the Missouri Bar. We're glad to have had Ray Williams and Dana Tippin-Cutler with us to talk about the bar and its members who are available to represent us when we have problems with the law. And there are places that you can go to find them if you need help. Thank you for being with us, both of you. Thank Thank you. you Now, if we were in St. Louis, we could adjourn to a little place at 701 North Tucker Street called the Missouri Bar and Grill. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? I've heard a story where former proprietor of that establishment used to get phone calls asking from law students who had recently taken the bar, mistaking it for the local bar exam office phone number <laughs> and they used to mess with them. <laughs> yeah, but all you need to qualify for going to that place is be 21 yes, and exactly. you're admitted to the bar. Yes. <laughs> if you're wanting more information about the Missouri Bar and the services it provides to lawyers and to the public, we invite you to visit MissouriLawyersHelp.org where you can find many of our resources that we talked about today. The more you know about the laws that impact our daily lives, the better decisions you'll be able to make about your life, your family, and your finances. I'm Farah Fight, And I'm Bob Pretty. Join us for another episode of the Missouri Bar's podcast, Is It Legal 2? A regular look at our legal system and you. 